hurts the fearful, the strong, the weak, the innocent, the corrupt. Fear. Fear is my ally. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl LeClair and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 231. All. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Obi-Wan Kenobi to my Darth Sidious, we have Paul Clare. Great. Did you say Obi-Wan Kenobi or Darth Sidious? Yes, we're the two most important people in Maul's life. Oh, good, because I, I was like, where's the connection? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Maul. Maul's the connection. Makes sense. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, Jason, I'm excited. This is our first ever Patreon-hosted episode of The Wampa's Lair. Um, and this topic is completely hers, uh, not ours at all, which I love because uh, it's awesome when somebody else comes up with, a, with an idea for you. <laughs> and then you oh, just yeah. have to kind of go <laughs> with it. So I am very pleased to introduce... Your guest host of this episode of the Wampazer podcast, the mastermind of this, the mother Talzin to our Sidious and Obi Wan Kenobi, it's Katie. Hey guys, hey cool kids. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Katie? I'm great. I love that I'm Mother Talzin. That just that fills my heart with so much joy, but also vengeance and rage and All right, we'll keep the vengeance and rage bottled up for the next hour and a half. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, so it's, it's right. same old, same old. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Because right. you know, um, we want, we, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is this is awesome to to have you on. And uh, like I said, um, anybody who I think it's the fourth tier of our Patreon um, pledge campaign, whatever. I'm not good with the language. But uh, if you pledge in that particular tier, uh, you get to pick the topic of the show and obviously guest host. And Katie, you're the first person to do it. Um, also, I wanted, I just think it's awesome that it's also a, a female. Like, that's great. Like, I know we have female listeners, but again, the general makeup of Star Wars fandom, I still think is kind of heavily on the guys. Um, so really cool to have you here with us. And not only that, but like to pick this topic is awesome. Yeah, you, no. you, you and um, oh my gosh, Teresa Delgado must have a lot to talk about if you were ever. To run <laughs> well, I think yeah. I mean, t- Teresa. She calls Darth Maul her boyfriend. So oh yeah, oh, and she has another one too. She's Maul's her boyfriend, and someone else's her husband or something. Yeah, never mind. I don't know where I was going with that. Probably, <laughs> probably Sam Witwer. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. No. The, so. Obviously, I, I'm going to guess, Katie, that you're a big Darth Maul fan. Oh, huge. Ginormous. Like, it uh, it definitely started in uh, 1999. I don't know if you guys remember all that much, but, uh, you know, Darth Maul's face was everywhere. 
I, I vaguely have recollections of that. I mean, just every time I stepped out of the house and went to the store. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was on your there. Yeah, he was on your Doritos. He was on your cans of Pepsi. Yep. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And I was just, you know, absolutely fascinated. You know, I mean, one excellent character design. It's like they knew, you know, where <laughs> it's just like, oh, he looks so cool. Let's put him on everything. But then also just this idea that he was our new Darth Vader, you know? I remember, like, looking at his face while I shoveled Doritos into my mouth, all like, what's <laughs> up with you? You know, like, there was so much going on with side Vader that we didn't see until the later movies, and I'm all like, what's your story, dude? I can't wait. Yeah, Darth Maul's going to be amazing. He's going to be here forever. More Doritos. <laughs> yeah, and then he wasn't. God. <laughs> uh, and then he died. Yeah, and- that... Well, oh my gosh! Yeah, you're. you're I, I remember that so well, Katie. How he was all over everything. I mean, it's kind of like Kylo Ren with Force Awakens, but even more so. I would say. I think they hit the marketing a lot harder for Phantom Menace than even Force Awakens. Oh, um, I totally agree. Like, and especially like everybody's like, "Oh, Kylo Ren so overplayed," you know, blah blah blah. And I'm all like, "You guys don't remember? You know, the Earth has changed. You know, I smell it in the air. <laughs> you know, all that stuff." Uh, but it's just like Maul was 10 times more marketed than Kylo Ren, at least in my recollection. I mean, I was only um, 11 years old, actually, when uh, Phantom Menace came out, you know, already quite obsessed with Star Wars. And just I guess because he was everywhere, I was like, well, this is our guy. This is, you know, like I like I said before, uh, I really got the sense, you know, oh, he's our new Vader. And I just can't wait to find out all about him. You know, it's going to be just like Luke, you know, going like, uh, you know, I, I know there is good in you, like all this stuff. He's our Vader before there was Vader. And just shrug. <laughs> Oops, what happened? I don't know. And then and then never we saw he was never on Doritos again. Like as soon as the movie came out, like all of that went away. It's very, very weird. Just this point in history where Maul was was Star Wars. Yeah, I mean he's one of the coolest looking villains in not only Star Wars, but I think just in like film history. I mean, it's so obvious that they channeled. Like, I mean, it's like, hey, make somebody that looks like the devil. Like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. That's I mean, really, what uh, he is. Do you guys know, like, Ian McKaig, you know, who designed Maul, actually like went through tons of concept art to get this guy, and he actually started like uh, with a proto Vader. You know, all these armored looks. You know, uh, actually, this like um, kind of Batman looking guy made it all the way to storyboard designs because they were so focused on like proto Vader and armor and stuff. And then Lucas started talking about doing, uh, you know, this more acrobatic, more aerial fight, you know, between, you know, our two Jedi and our villain. And then, you know, it's just like, well, Batman doing duel of the fates, you're welcome for that mental image, you know, just doesn't really fit. (laughs) So they took all the armor off and they're like, well, what do we see underneath? And then Ian McKaig was like, instructed by Lucas to draw his worst nightmare. So the story goes. And what he actually started with was uh, this design that would later become the night sisters, you know, these hollow corpses, you know, just completely bleached white. And, you know, with these dead eyes, you know, uh, like uh, dripping with red, you know, you see like all these ribbons that then, you know, obviously later inspired the night sisters. And George Lucas looked at that and went, okay, draw me your second worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little much. And so then the next, you know, then became, well, then let's do this horned, you know, really, yeah, devilish looking guy, which, um, you know, like you can 
very obviously tell it's like well that that's the one you go with right away (laughs) right yeah what's so what's so interesting too is you know i mean he is i would say he's the scariest looking villain in star wars not that i personally am afraid of him but what's so interesting is how kids love him um, I, a friend of mine, she has a three-year-old who loves Star Wars, and his favorite characters are Darth Vader and Darth Maul, which is just hilarious. So many like little kids love Darth Maul. I know. There's and, just yeah. There's something about him that kind of grabs you and intrigues you. I yeah. I know little kids who are the same way. I know specifically one little boy. He's four. He calls Vader that scary guy, and Darth Maul is just Darth Maul. Like he loves. <laughs> <Darth> <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something empowering, though, for a little kid, right? To to pick a villain like that to be one of their favorite characters. I mean, and, and yeah. maybe it's even a way of like commandeering their fear, right? Like rather than being afraid of him, I'm going to like him. That way, I don't have to be afraid of him, right? Like, yeah, because there is something. It was just kind of like you know, yeah, he's intimidating, but also maybe I could ride his motorcycle. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, he could beat up all you know the little kids that are mean to me. You know, on the on the playground and stuff like. Yeah, I think there is something. He's scary, g- so I want him to have my back. Right? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I want him to be my big brother or something, you know? Yeah. And teach me how to drive his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case you couldn't tell everyone, uh, obviously what we're going to be talking about for this entire episode is just looking at Darth Maul as a character, uh, kind of sequentially through his existence in Star Wars, you know, who he is as a character. It's been a long time, Jason, since we've done like a character story, like a character yeah. episode. We used to do those like early in the early days of the Wampus Lair, where we just kind of delve deep into like kind of character development. And luckily, Katie was like, uh, can we do a Darth Maul episode? And I was like, we've never touched him in an episode on his own, like ever in right. five years. So, yes, a resounding. Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm certainly no Darth Maul expert. I'm glad you're here, Katie, because you clearly are. Um, he, he has been my constant companion these many years. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I am super excited to talk some mall. And before we hop into the topic at large, Jason, we had a poll that yes. we invited everybody, every Larian, to tell us what their favorite Darth Maul moment or Darth Maul scene was. And how did it break down, my friend? Well, it broke down like so. Um, in sixth place, with one vote each, um, was the reaction that he can find Jabba at Jabba's palace. Um, <laughs> uh, when he was found by Savage, uh, his first hollow appearance, hologram appearance, um, there in the uh, Phantom Menace. And then uh, someone said that Maul fighting the Wrath Tar in one of the new comics, which I've not read yet. So, um. Oh, wait, what? Seriously? Yeah, it's in the, I think it's in the... Is it in the first one or the second one? It must be the first. When he kills the Wrath Tars? That, yeah. That's, the fir- that's like the first page of the first issue. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought, yeah. Because that's the only one I've read still. So. Oh, it's so good, though. Yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your Wrath Tars out of my Star Wars, Marvel. but it's like it's so intriguing though to see this like prequel guy you know like maul is so rooted in the prequels to and then see him interact with this sequel trilogy thing is really intriguing to me i really like it so i disagree i like it very much awesome cool (laughs) um in fifth place with two votes each um is the the balcony scene in the phantom menace you know at last we reveal ourselves to the jedi at last we'll have revenge that whole moment um, and then the Maul and Savage versus Sidious duel. 
uh, which is where my vote went. Um, and it's not necessarily the duel itself. It's the interaction between Maul and Sidious and how much and how so much of this plan of Maul's maybe subconsciously was done to try and impress Sidious and maybe get back in his good graces. And then when that failed to do that, uh, then it was, oh, no, it was just I was luring you in in order to have my revenge upon you. And Sidious was like, yeah, nice try, kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, there's that. Uh, in fourth place with three votes each uh, was Maul manipulating Ezra throughout Rebels um, and the execution of Duchess Satine. Uh, that's a big scene. By yeah, big. Yeah. Both of those things, you know, touching on, you know, Maul's little manipulation of Ezra. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in third place with uh, four votes each was uh, the cutting in half in The Phantom Menace and the duel with Pre Vizsla. Um, and then in second place with five votes was uh, the Twin Sons episode of Rebels, um, including that's where your vote went, Carl. Yeah, it's, but it's not the episode, Jason. It's a specific yeah. moment. Well, I know, but you tell us your moment. <laughs> I'll, here, I'll let you listen. I am lost. And yet, I can feel his presence so close, so close. I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi. Kenobi! I love the way he shouts his name. Oh, so right. Oh, good. my gosh. <laughs> 911, not... I've been attacked. Personally. <laughs> that is, oh, I mean, goodness. Sam Witwer just at his best, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He just, like, completely cut loose. It's it's that moment. And then, like, you know, when he, when uh, when he's, you know, cut in half, he's got all those spider legs and he's just rambling to himself. Those are moments where just Sam Witwer, you could tell he was just in the booth, just completely letting it go so yeah uh that's oh my gosh yeah i feel like sam witwer might have been like a little bit i don't know on something maybe because he just loses it in a good way <laughs> yeah. like it's like he's, so good he's touching something primal there's something you know that allows him to just you know express that kind of you know raw emotion i don't know it's uh it's very good it's very intriguing and well played yes I, he's, he is a man who definitely knows his craft and knows it well. So yeah. I, I love Sam Witwer as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love that specific, I mean the whole, he's great obviously in all of twin sons, but I think that moment's just the best because I don't, it's to me, it's just such a huge contrast from right. Like the first moment we see Darth Maul on screen, which is in Phantom Menace where he's just like this intimidating, brute kind of like assassin really that works at the beck and call of Sidious but he's quiet and composed and that's how he is throughout the whole film even though he fights very like viciously like every time we see him he's just cool and calm and composed and yet here he's just lost it right like he's I mean yeah. he says like I'm lost you know but he just he is still being driven by just that one thing that essentially drives him all through Clone Wars and Rebels which is Kenobi yeah mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, yeah, the reason he's, uh, you know, allows himself 
to lose that composure is, you know, cause he's alone. He's truly and completely alone. He's lost everything. And then you, that's, I think that's where, you know, Sam Witwer's just raw emotion comes out and, you know, it, it all comes out in that scream of Kenobi, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally the first place, um, option was uh, with seven votes it was a duel of the fates and that's any everything from the uh dramatic opening of the hangar doors to the very end of the duel so um and katie your your moment was in there somewhere correct yeah that was mine i um mine was specifically yeah when the ray shields come up that's my favorite mall moment it has been since 1999 and and you know sam witwer has done amazing things with the character you know and not just him you know the animators everybody worked on clone wars wars and rebels you know did really well bringing this character you know back into the forefront of star wars but you know that moments specifically you know when the ray shields come up and you know qui-gon kneels down and maul is just prowling that's still my favorite maul moment i think it's it's because to me that moment is it's rather like you know in empire when luke's you know hanging off of cloud city and he calls out to leia and then for some reason we don't yet know why she hears him and it's incredible and you're like what is going on what's happening between them or maybe it's like when you know kylo ren is searching through ray's mind you know and and something's happening between them you know don't worry i feel it too you know there is something happening in the force you know between qui-gon and between maul you know something inside of them and between them you know that we're not necessarily privy to you know we can guess you know we can you know, look into Maul's eyes and see that intensity, that fire, but we don't necessarily have the answers. And that moment, it's just such a perfectly powerful Star Wars moment. And, you know, and and it's so wonderfully perfect for Maul because what's really fun is that, you know, when, when Ray Park talks about this moment, you know, people ask him, like, you know, you you're a martial artist, you know, you're a stuntman. Was it, was it really hard not to just, you know, run circles around poor Ewan McGregor and, and Liam Neeson? And he's all like, well, yes and no, because sure, I was flipping circles around them, but they were acting circles around me. You know, I, I hadn't really been in anything. I wasn't an actor. So in that, you know, moment, like, <laughs> I'm not really acting. And then I remember, uh, actually, the person talking to him in that moment goes, no, 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 don't sell yourself short. You know, you when you know, you're looking down at Liam Neeson, there's something real and something intense that grabs us as an audience. So, you know, please don't you know, say you're not an actor. You don't sell yourself short. And Ray Park's like, no, 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 that's, that's exactly what I mean is that in that moment, I'm not acting. In that moment, I'm a martial artist and he's entered, you know, he talks about this, uh, this battle meditation, you know, where he's not thinking about the contact lenses drying out his eyes and the horns glued to his head, you know, all this makeup on his face. He's thinking, you know, about trusting his body and he's thinking about the breath inside of his lungs and the adrenaline in his veins. And that absolutely shines through in the character in this moment. And it's like, it's such a short moment, you know, I don't want to like belabor it too much, I guess though, like too late, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very powerful and you can see how present Ray Park is. And then when you are looking into his eyes, which makes him very different from Vader, of course, because you know that the helmet, 
we don't get to really look into his eyes and see what's there the way we can with Maul specifically in this moment. And so, yes, that that is why it's my favorite Maul moment and probably always will be, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I doubt we'll get too many more. He is, <laughs> right. he is no longer with us. Oh, um, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not convinced. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've had to watch Maul die four times now. He died in Phantom. He died in Old Wounds. He died in Resurrection. And he died in Twin Sons. And I have no reason to believe that the Twin Sons' death is going to stick any more than the ones that came before it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I guess if he's like a superhero, they always come back. I mean, jaw. <laughs> um. So uh, let's start talking some. Let's 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 just hop right into it. Um. So obviously, like we've talked quite a bit. I mean, Maul's obviously initial introduction to the Star Wars world was, you know, pretty much the Phantom Menace marketing campaign. Um. But sequentially, if we look at Darth Maul's story, it kind of begins. You know, I mean, we get we get hints of it in the Clone Wars about basically via Savage's story. Um, but we know from the Son of Dathmir comic, which is technically leg- Legends now, um, I don't care. It's still canon to me because there's nothing that disproves what is in canon, right? So to me, anything that doesn't like mess up canon, it's still canon to me. The only thing that I would say I throw out is basically everything post-Return of the Jedi concerning the big three. You know, that's that's the only stuff that you have to kind of throw out. Um, but everything that comes in the prequel era, era, I think, for the most part, works. But... You know, it's revealed that Darth Maul is Mother Talzin's son. You know, we come to learn that a little bit later on. But, you know, his story begins by being recruited by Darth Sidious. And, you know, we're getting a little... How many, Katie, how many comics are out now for the new Marvel Maul series? Has there been three? There's three, yes. Okay, I've only read the first one. Um, mm-hmm. and I And I really liked it. And... I need to get, I got to get those other two because I'm not really reading the Marvel Star Wars anymore because I think they all, for the most part, kind of suck. Sure. Um, sorry. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very blunt about that. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that like them, but they weren't working for me for the longest time. Oh, it's fair. You do you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool that Sidious essentially handpicks Darth Maul. And I know there's some of that stuff in the Plagueis novel as well, which mm-hmm. I never got to because that book bored the hell out of me too. I never and- finished it. Um, and uh, there's there's two others, in fact, that detail uh, Maul's childhood and his uh, you know his training under Sidious, in fact, and they tie into Darth Plagueis. I'm sorry, I bored you. <laughs> Personally, I just read it for Maul, like as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll read or watch anything with uh, with Maul in it. You know, that's uh, that's how I got into the Clone Wars. Like I wasn't into it at all. I was like, wow, this Ahsoka character is super annoying. And then they're like, oh well, now Maul's in it. Oh hey, maybe Ahsoka ain't so bad. Let's check out. Let's see what's going on here. <laughs> and then the same thing happened with Rebels. God, this Ezra kid's so annoying. I don't care about Rebels. Oh Maul's in it. Hey Ezra, you know what? I judged you too harshly. so that's what that's what happened with Plagueis as well um and uh, and yeah they do touch really briefly on um well not even in in Plagueis yes they touch briefly on uh, on Maul's you know backstory with Sidious how he how Sidious came by him but then there's two other books that go into almost grotesque detail about how Maul uh, sorry how Sidious you know took this child and twisted them all up and it's it's actually quite painful to read if you know if you you know 
uh, work with children or have children or maybe was a child in a situation like that. You know, it it's heartbreaking. <laughs> I was just like, my son, <laughs> Maul, I'm your mother now. Come here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine uh, Palpatine being up for father of the year. Uh, that, that, that just doesn't seem to gel. So, yeah. yeah. I haven't read any of those specific details as far as I can remember, but that would have uh, I, I, the, I can just imagine that, uh, you know, Palpatine trained and raised through fear, through pain, and uh, that I'm sure that had a wonderful effect on Maul's psyche. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. It's, you know, why doesn't everybody do this? No. Um, <laughs> The two books specifically would be the the Darth Maul Journal from 1999 and uh, the Wrath of Maul, which um, takes the basic premise of the Darth Maul Journal and um, and then just really fleshes it out. Turns like a hundred pages into uh, like 250. Um, uh, I can't remember when Wrath of Maul came out. Actually, I do know lies. That was a blatant lie. I do know when Wrath of Maul came out. It came out um, January of the same year that Maul was brought back to the Clone Wars because this book was like specifically written to explain like, you know, oh, where's Maul been since he got cut in half? And oh, you heard he's coming back to Clone Wars? Well, let's explain that a little bit. <laughs> like, sure, you can survive in the trash for 10 years. Why not? Who said I couldn't? Like, <laughs> It's super good. Um. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we get a like very brief glimpse of Sith training, um, which we've talked about before, Jason, in, uh, you know, the, the Savage episode where Count Dooku is training him in Clone Wars. Yeah. Right? We get, we get a sense of the brutality of Sith training. And this is just like, a, you know, again, like an accelerated course for Savage. Maul is someone who was basically raised and bred as a Sith warrior under Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whatever Savage deals with in a very short term, Maul's been dealing with basically his whole life. Oh, yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and not only is he being bred as a, as a warrior, a Sith, a Sith Lord, um, but he's being trained and bred to be a weapon. Not mm-hmm. necessarily. I mean, I, I question Palpatine's, uh, true motivations when it comes to Maul because I wonder if Palpatine ever saw Maul as a successor. Um, I, I think because, yes. Yeah. What were you going to say though? Well, because he seems like such a, a weapon in Palpatine's arsenal. So, you know, weapons are only useful for so long before they're overused and uh, break. So, uh, you know, I, I, being Palpatine, he probably had plans for either way. You know, if Maul lasted, if Maul was able to survive, great. Uh, maybe he can take over and be a success for, successor and, you know, uh, pass that on one day. But uh, I the other side just questions, you know, I question whether or not he anticipated Maul being able to take over at all uh, I, and just use Maul to his extent, his full usefulness, and then well, discard yeah. him. Well, I think he wanted Maul as a successor the same way he wanted anybody to succeed him, which is to say not at all. You know, Palpatine <laughs> didn't want to die ever, you know, True. and nobody was ever going to unseat him. But, you know, there is the rule of two and he does always need someone. He needs that enforcer, you know, 
And mm-hmm. so I think I think his plans with Maul was yeah to have that that enforcer that general you know someone to lead his armies and more importantly you know in the prequels you know in the Clone Wars you know to be the face of the Sith you know what I mean it's you know the the Jedi you know forgotten a lot of their their own teachings you know don't trust your eyes they'll deceive you you know they would look at this red face tattooed horned man and be like well that's what a sith looks like a sith is going to be terrible and frightening a sith isn't going to be the kindly old man in the senate you know right and (laughs) you know so um and 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 then furthermore what i think he wants maul for is that he sidious knows that talzin could potentially, you know, if anybody in the universe could upset Sidious's, you know, power, it would be Mother Talzin. She's one of the only creatures, you know, old enough and foul enough, as Dooku says, you know, that could challenge Palpatine. And she's capable of a lot of things, but not capable of killing her own son. So if, you know, Sidious said to Maul one day, all like, oh, well, guess what, Apprentice? This is your final test. There are, there are a lot of final tests for Maul, BT dubs. This, but this <laughs> one's your real final test. You're going to go to Dathomir, which, surprise, that's where you're from. You're going to see a lot of Knight Brothers, you know, and they've all got faces just like you. And you've got witches who are going to tell you things like, hey, I'm your mom. You know, but don't listen to them. You know, you're you're my apprentice. Kill them all, and you know you will be you know rewarded. You know you'll be you know just that much closer to you know taking being powerful enough to unseat me. And you know, Maul leading the clone army. You know, like Grievous does eventually to go and massacre all the Night Sisters. You know, Maul definitely would have prevailed because you know Talzin wouldn't have been able to cut him down. Yeah. So. So that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, that's I think Sidious did have plans for Maul to survive past, you know, Naboo, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Maul even indicates, right, like during during Clone Wars when he first, you know, the second episode he's in, he indicates to, you know, Savage mentions that the Clone Wars going on. He says, ah, so it started without me. Right. Yeah. Like, obviously, I think Sidious's plan with the Clone War was to have mall leading an army um right everything else becomes contingencies um, oh yeah fall you know finding anakin becomes a great contingency but a contingency nonetheless you know um so just very fascinating that like mall you know sidious personally picks him and has something great in store for him you know whether that's as you know a you know as a, a one day successor um although i i don't think Sidious ever plans to pick a successor like you kind of said Katie I mean he's yeah. <laughs> he's kind of all about the power um but that- unlimited power knew you were going to do that <laughs> I, I'm like okay who had <laughs> you know who had this time you win the pool it was only so long before Jason said it like <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, granted, I only read the first comic in the new Mall series, but it was great. Just, you know, my, my favorite part of any comic is when you get like good character inner monologue, right? Like when it's not. Just, oh, yeah. I hate comic books that are like 12 pages of nothing but action scenes. And it, which mm-hmm. is weird, I know, to say because like it's a comic book. That's the best part. I disagree. Yeah, but they're just only because, 24 pages. Right. And 12 of them are action. What was the point even? Yeah, I just wasted <laughs> five bucks, right? Like, <laughs> right. And, 
I don't know. Like for me, my favorite comics are the ones that have good stories and good characters, and that's you know. So I like it when there's a lot of character monologue or even character dialogue um, in a in a comic. So that first Maul one, it's really good because all Maul is talking about is how he's just like he's ready to snap, right? Like he is. Oh, right. He is. He knows how powerful he is. He knows how skilled he is. Um, it becomes very clear that Sidious has him as just like this fine-tuned like dagger ready to like jab into the heart of the the galaxy and you know i mean he he has been raised to hate jedi right like this is mm-hmm. i mean it, like the comparison to our own our own experience or our own world is somebody growing up in the you know hitler youth right like they grew up being told to hate jewish people right like like that culture of hatred um sidious has raised maul to hate the jedi um which is just terrifying and you know all Maul wants to do I mean, in that first comic right like he sees a Jedi in his Padawan he just wants to go kill them so bad mm-hmm. um, and I know in like the second and third comic it's all about like him tracking down this captured Padawan um, again I haven't read it but I know that's what it's about but it's very mm-hmm. clear that Maul knows his ultimate purpose right like and even in some of like the the prequel novels we've gotten in the past that are now technically legends right but i know he like he goes on these missions to hunt down like bounty hunters or like people that are screwing with the trade federation um i mean he's he's nothing more than an he's almost an asajj ventress type character right like he's an assassin trained as a sith mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he knows as a sith his ultimate enemy is the jedi and yes. you well know, like, is it i, I think his ultimate enemy is Sidious. You know, the point of, a, of any Sith apprentice is to kill your master. But kind of like how he goes and kills the Rathars, you know what I mean? Because he's not allowed to go kill Jedi. You know, it's... I mean, yes, he does hate the Jedi, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because that's how he's been raised to feel and think. But, you know, killing the Jedi is a stepping stone to gaining more power, you know, becoming stronger, and then ultimately killing Sidious. You know, so when he goes and kills the Rathars, he calls that a hollow meal. You know, this this is a kill that does not satisfy. You know, and I think killing Jedi, he thinks, this is going to feel great. This is going to be awesome. But then it... it I don't think it ultimately would be because it's not the person that hurt him and, you know, turned him into this monster. You know what I mean? That's not who he wants to kill. Who he wants to kill is Sidious. That's a good point. Yeah. Those Rathars are like a hookup, right? Like, right. They're not the the love he's looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This isn't the love you're looking for. What's that? Um, I don't know uh, quite what you said that made me think of this, but, um, oh, I mean, yeah, you're talking about him being restrained and just how, you know, much he wants to go kill what's touched on in Darth Plagueis. What I thought was um, a lot of fun was that, um, you know, uh, Sidious actually kind of has a moment of clarity where he realizes that, you know, him and, and Plagueis, you know, hiding who they really are, you know, hiding the Sith and hiding the dark side. That's not satisfying the dark side. You know, the dark side wants to be out there, wants to, you know, <laughs> do basically what Maul wants to do. And since, you know, Sidious and Plagueis aren't giving the dark side what it wants, it then expresses itself in Maul and, you know, because he's giving it that outlet. Which I thought was really cool. That is really cool. Uh, I need I need to reread Plagueis. It's been far too long. <laughs> uh, it's cl- Legends now, though, so I don't know. It's still <laughs> one of the greatest Star Wars novels out there, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I love Sidious, so you know, 
that's why it's so amazing. You know what's what's curious to me though, right? Like, and this isn't. I apologize, Katie. This is a little off topic from Maul, but it covers yeah. him as well, right? Like, what is the obsession with power then, right? Like, what is Sidious? Like, what does the Sidious ultimately want to do? I mean, I guess you could say Sidious's ultimate goal is eternal life. Um, I mean, that's hinted at in the films. It's hinted at in some of the the literature. Um, it's definitely hinted at in the Revenge of the Sith novel, which was great. The little scene between Qui-Gon and Yoda at the end of the book. Great mo- book. I love anything I can to talk about the Revenge of the Sith novel. I will do. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's very clear that for Sidious, I think, his ultimate goal, I guess, is eternal life. But I don't know why. Like, why does he want to live forever? He's just a tyrant. Um, and same with Maul. Like, what does Maul ultimately want to do with that power, right? Like, when you think of people in in history, like, right, like, Sidious is modeled after, like, big dictators like Hitler or, you know, even, um, like, in the prequel story, I mean, he's after Caesar, right? Like, these yeah. these popular politicians that end, end up taking ultimate power. But all those people in history did it ultimately because they thought they were doing something good, right? Like, they never saw themselves as evil. I'm sure Sidious doesn't see himself as evil. Um, but right. Like, like Hitler was somebody who was trying to stabilize a broken country and dominate the world because it needed domination. And, you know, same with Caesar. Like he, he wanted to, you know, push forward order like, and, and rule. But what is Sidious's ultimate end? Could we say it's the same? Like, is that what Maul wants to do at the end of the day? Right. Like if he does eventually kill Palpatine, I, I think Palpatine is after power for its own sake. Uh, he wants power because the more power he has, the more, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's just power for the sake of power at the point, by the time we get to, especially revenge of the Sith, I don't know if there is an ultimate goal other than remaking the galaxy into what he wants it. And the only reason why he's remaking the galaxy into what he wants it is to solidify more power for himself. He's power mad. He is power hungry. That's all that motivates him is power and domination and control for Palpatine anyways. I don't, I'm not sure if that's exactly follows for Maul. Cause I think he's more driven by revenge um, than anything else. But Palpatine, I think by the time we get to, you know, the mid prequels, especially revenge of the Sith, it's just power for the sake of power. I don't think he has any illusions that he's doing this for any, you know, perceived altruistic goal. Um, other than the eradication of the Jedi, because there it's a narrow dogmatic view, um, but I don't. He may not see himself as evil, but I don't think he's under any illusions that he is good. Um, I think Sam Witwer actually kind of said it best. It, he said that you know when we look at Sidious and we look at Maul, what they really are is you know just broken men, and so what Sidious wants ultimately, I think, is to stop feeling so awful inside. And so he thinks, you know, he's like, I got, I have this huge gaping, hurting hole inside. And maybe if I surround myself with finery, maybe if I'm emperor of the whole galaxy, maybe if I can control every little thing, and if I can just have everything and live forever, then I won't feel so horrible inside. You know what I mean? And, you know, that, that's his way of trying to solve this problem. But, you know, that, that's not how it works, you know what I mean? When you do have this hole inside of you in your heart, you know, what makes it feel better is selflessness. You know what I mean? Living for someone else, helping 
someone else. And, you know, Sidious just doesn't get that, like, at all. And, you know, Maul, unfortunately, is just another chain in this cycle of abuse, you know, where Sidious, you know, you know, hurt him and shaped him into, you know, this, you know, apprentice. And so Maul's like, well, I feel horrible and broken inside, you know, of course, like, who wouldn't after, you know, everything he went through. And so maybe, you know, I, I can't kill Jedi, so I'll kill Rathars. I can't kill Sidious, so I'll kill Jedi. You know, maybe if I can eventually, you know, hurt all these people who hurt me, if I can hurt Sidious, you know, cut him down, then maybe I'll feel better. Maybe. But what they miss is that that's just not how it works. So I think that's what they want ultimately is to stop feeling so awful inside, but they're going about it in all the wrong ways. Interesting. I mean, you know, to me at the end of the day, I don't really care why Palpatine <laughs> does what he does. No, I mean with Palpatine specifically, because right. Like I like the idea still that Palpatine, especially like in the originals, even, even in the prequels, he's just the bad guy, right? Like we don't always need a sympathetic villain. Right. No. Like we live in a world now where we're obsessed with antiheroes and like the dark characters are just misunderstood. Like there's a good thing about just a, you know, good old black and white, you know, good guy versus bad guy story. And that's what Palpatine really was in the original trilogy. You know, um, so that means like and that's not to dismiss oh, yeah. all those things. Like I think it's important to in so far as like how much we love Star Wars to delve into why exactly what's driving them. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, no, I I absolutely agree because I don't I don't think there's anything good in Sidious at all. You know, when I when I mm-hmm. say you know, oh, he just oh, he's just hurting, he's mm-hmm. so sad. No, he has driven all of the goodness out of himself, and in trying to make himself feel better, he is not willing to entertain making anybody else feel better. And I think, um, you know, maybe maybe to jump ahead a little bit, this uh, is really. This, the lack of goodness in him is really exemplified when, uh, you know, after in the Clone Wars, he's killed Savage Opress and he has just completely brought Maul to his knees. You know, we then see Maul in the exact same position that we later see Luke Skywalker in. You know, he is writhing at the Emperor's feet, you know, lightning coursing through his veins and Maul does the exact same thing that Luke does. He calls out to his father and he says, please, he asks for the pain to stop. You know, Maul has no reason to think that Sidious will grant him mercy. You know, Sidious says there is no mercy. But, you know, that's what any child would ask of their parent. You know, please, you know, make the pain stop. And the goodness in Anakin responds, you know, can't let his child suffer like this, can't let his child die but there is no such goodness insidious. You know, he just keeps tearing into this, you know, this man, this broken man that he broke, you know, took as a child. Yes, and, because yeah. I have other uses for you. Yeah, right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. I don't see Sidious as like an anti-hero at all. There's there's right. nothing good in him. And I think actually Dave Filoni called him a wretched thing, which I just love. I just look at Sidious and go, you wretched thing. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see Sidious as an anti-hero either. I, um, but I'm just saying like it, there's there's something good in the fact that there is no good in him. Right. Like he is ultimately just the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and, and right. Like everything he touches is so corrupted and you know, who more perfect than Maul to exemplify that because Maul is the person that he has 
been at work fathering in a way his whole life Mm -hmm. and look how broken he is and look Mm -hmm. how his whole life never is fixed because of um, who touched him for so long, right? Right, like, exactly. Carl, well, then- Carl, I, I, Carl, I have to really quick applaud you for that seamless segue there to bring us back to Maul. I, that was <laughs> brilliant. So, of course, now it's completely ruined because I brought attention to it, but that was a really <laughs> impressive segue. Yeah, so. Not my first rodeo. <laughs> no, I love it. But, um, but kind of to underscore that point, what's, what's fun, what's never brought up in the Clone Wars, like disappointingly, is the fact that Maul and Savage Opress are twins. This is touched on in, in the books, which I guess now are legends, but, you know, there's, there's always a bit of truth in legends, right? <laughs> but, you know, so Sidious took one and the other got to stay on Dathomir. And I mean, and Dathomir is still full of awful. You know what I mean? The, those dark side <laughs> witches are awful. You know? and, and, you know, and in a lot of ways, you know, Savage Opress, you know, he still thinks of revenge when, when Savage Opress is still, you know, is hurt. His, the first thing he goes to is revenge. But the thing about Savage Opress is that, you know, when he's dying, you know, he doesn't have all that hatred that would allow him to continue. You know what I mean? When, when Maul is cut in half, he's so filled with hate that he can just keep going. When Savage Opress is stabbed through the chest, why, why can't he? You know, he's, he's Maul's blood. You know, he could be as strong as Maul. Why doesn't he just keep going? Because he's not full of that rage. And then he expressly states this to Maul. He goes, I'm not like you. I never was. Right. You know, because, because of Sidious's influence. You know, if, if they'd been switched, then... Who knows but right well yeah. and you know and there's even some there's, i mean savage is a good person right like when in a way like when we first met savage right like he's covering for because is that a, his friend or his brother because isn't it it's it's his brother he right. said they they say a couple times you uh you know i'm your blood i'm your brother right and stuff like that so right like he he's he takes one for the team to protect his brother like he has he has good instincts at heart um, I mean, even all right, at this point, we're just jumping all over the place because I don't care. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, like when when Maul eventually, you know, tells Savage that he's the master, right? Uh, when they raid that, it's like one know, of the best scenes. Yeah, between and, the two of them, right? Like so, that revival episode, and you know, Savage doesn't get it. He's like, well, there doesn't need to be this rivalry, brother. Let's share our power, right? Like. In a way, Savage, right? He's not so tainted by that Sith. He's not tainted at all by a Sith upbringing because he never really had that. Um, so it doesn't make sense to him. But what's so interesting is that even in spite of how Sidious essentially just cast Maul aside, which is somewhat un- an unfair assessment on Maul's part because like, he just assumed he was dead. It's not that he cast him <laughs> aside. He just did what any Sith would do. He found a replacement. Um, but well, you know, I lost that stick. Let's get another one. Right, exactly. Because that's all he really is to, to Sidious. And, you know, but for it's just interesting to me that 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 stays with Maul, right? Like he wants to continue to perpetuate kind of his Sithiness and that Sith upbringing. And, you know, he he needs to be dominant in his relationship with Savage, which is interesting because Savage doesn't need that, right? Like Savage doesn't need to feel like he's the one calling the shots. Um, so again, like that, just that, that tainted-ness by Sidious um, just courses through Maul. Well, I think what's also happening there when he like asserts himself over Savage is that, you know, to Maul, this idea, you know, that 
that his brother, you know, his, his, his twin, you know, could, could somehow equal him after, you know, Maul's basically thinking, well, I suffered and you didn't. So all this, you know, all this Sith training that I had to go through must have been for a reason. You know, I must have suffered for a reason. It must be because I'm stronger than you. I'm the master and you're the apprentice. You know, it's, it's intolerable for him to think that, you know, that they could be equals, you know, that, that one of them could be raised, you know, with a family, with brothers and all that stuff. And he could be so horribly alone and they just come out the same, at least in terms of power, you know, he, he can't handle that. So of course he has to like completely assert himself and be like, no, 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 no. I'm way more stronger than you because I've had so much Sith training. You don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, it's, he's so, um, not only is he corrupted, but he's so indoctrinated in the ways of the Sith that even when he decides he doesn't want to be a Sith anymore per se, he still follows the, the Sith ways. The Sith ways are so ingrained in him that when he's, Essentially, mindless, wandering, uh, lothal mind is it? Lo- yeah, lothal minor, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. He, what's keeping him around is you know a lot of these Sith teachings, and he's muttering the Sith code to himself in all of this incoherence that he's you know has going on at the moment. That's the one thing that breaks through. Yeah, he uh, talks to Sidious a lot in that cave, too. He says, mercy, master. You know, again, he, he's asking for mercy, and then he says to himself, there is no mercy. Fine. I don't ask for mercy. I ask for strength. That's something he says, and I love that. <laughs> well, think of it, too, right? Like, as Maul, right? Like, his whole upbringing is, a, is steeped in that Sith lore. It's in Sith doctrine, you know, as much as City Palpatine hates on Jedi doctrine, Sith have it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is, Right? Like if the, if you grew up knowing something, you know that helped you survive. That that's how you saw the world was through that lens. It's hard to walk away from that. So of course, even though Maul is kind of a little insane there on Lothal Minor, a little, a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, what keeps him at least somewhat in touch with at least his idea of reality is tapping into what he knows, what he was brought up on. Um, so it is really cool that that is. That is his reality. Um, something I want to talk about, though, because we got to get into this because it's basically a good chunk of the Maul story is his obsession with Kenobi, right? So when Maul first appears on screen, you know he's he's just this enforcer that Sidious sends out to capture a queen and you know take care of any Jedi that might be protecting her. Maul is obviously ecstatic at the opportunity to finally confront Jedi and also to come out of the shadows. You know, I mean, he does not like this hiding. He wants to be out there. He, you know, it, the way, he, you know, at last we'll reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we'll have revenge, right? Yes. He's so like, oh, his just words are like dripping with lust. Like, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to get out there. And he fails, right? Like he gets, he gets, Cut in half by Obi Wan Kenobi, and not and it, it, it's and it's not just a Jedi that he gets cut in half by. It's, it's the Padawan. <laughs> he he he's essentially ready for the, he's ready for the trials, <laughs> yeah, right? That's true. I mean, <laughs> but it, he's ready for the trials, true. But he essentially kills the master, and the Padawan is what takes him out. And it's you know, 
I, I, I'm not under any illusions, you know, that this is going to be the, the first two Jedi Maul faces because I'm, I'm gathering um, that he'll have faced at least one or two others before this um, in secret. But this is the mm-hmm. first time he's been able to engage the Jedi in the open and he's cut down in his first outing. That's not the, the plan. Te- technically, it's his second. He faced it. See, that's what really gets me about that little, that short little scene on Tatooine when he faces Qui-Gon Jinn is that, you know, he's waited so long to fight a Jedi. And here it is. He's fighting a Jedi and the Jedi runs away. Hmm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that. I love that scene, though. I love the scene in the movie. I mean, he, so he bests Qui-Gon, which is not an easy feat. I mean, it's, oh, no, yeah. it's, it, Qui-Gon is an incredibly powerful Jedi master who's also an incredibly gifted duelist. I mean, he's trained by Dooku, who's considered to be one of the best. Um, so Maul definitely is capable. I think he just – he got too cocky. That's the way I see it almost. Yeah. You know, he, he probably could have beat Obi-Wan for sure. The your problem- confidence is your weakness. Your faith in your master is yours. <laughs> there you go. Um, New dialogue. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he's just, he's, and you can see it too, right? Like that, that great little shot right before Obi-Wan comes charging out of the ray, ray shield walls. Um, you know, the way Maul's just looking at him like, yes, I handled your master. You're nothing now, boy. <laughs> like it's and it really is like he is ju- and but like the his focus changed in that fight I would say like his focus when he first attacks them is I'm going to kill them right and your focus determines your reality Qui-Gon um <laughs> and I he's focused on that end and he succeeds against Qui-Gon and then it's almost like his focus changes from like you know I I'm going to kill these people to like look how great I am look how much of a badass I am and Whereas Obi-Wan's focus now becomes, this guy just killed my master. He is a threat to the galaxy. I have to vanquish him, right? And there might be an s- element of revenge there for Obi-Wan. You know, people oh, there talk about certainly that. is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he, he comes running forward with a, whole, with a far deeper purpose than Maul now has. Um, and I think that's why he can best Maul. Um, and to a certain degree, he... He kind of only gets him at the last minute by, in a way, tricking him. Um, you know, the fight itself still goes to Maul. Um, but uh, I was just watching tonight. I rewatched quickly part of uh, uh, it's the episode after Brothers. Oh, Revenge, which is in season mm. four of Clone Wars. And such a good episode. And mm-hmm. it's it's a great episode because Maul explains to me like it, it does the great job of explaining why Obi Wan is such a fixation for him. Right, like, okay, like I get that you want to kill him, but why is it so big? And he, he reveals to Savage, um, and we should probably talk a little bit more about their relationship because I think mm-hmm. in a way Savage really humanizes Maul um, mm-hmm. in, in a certain way because um, he's just an animal in the Phantom Menace, um, right? But he 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 you know opens up to his brother and says, "I was once the apprentice to the most powerful Sith." in the galaxy and possibly the history of the universe. And I was met for so much more, but that was cut short by the Jedi by Kenobi, right? Like not only does he see the Jedi still as like an enemy, but more than that, Kenobi specifically cut him short from the greatness he's destined for. And I think that does a great job of explaining of 
why he wants to eradicate him. He definitely cut him short, shorter. Uh, 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 oh, I'll on. see myself out. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Don't let the ray shield door hit you on the way out. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, my dad has had too heavy of an influence on me. Um, <laughs> his humor. That was a anyway, dad, yeah, it was a dad joke, all right. It, it was a total <laughs> dad joke. My dad's a punster to begin with, so. Mm. I like your new legs. They make you look taller. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like your new legs. They make you look taller. <laughs> I cut you in half. I should have aimed for your neck. So, anyway. Oh man, some of that dialogue is so corny. So, perfect, so, so Star Wars, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it, yeah. it is. It's so Star Wars. It's amazing. It's it's wonderful. I think the phrase you're looking for was a plus excellent. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but but you're right. Uh, Maul sees himself as a, a reckoning for the Jedi, and the Jedi kind of just went, uh, "No." In the Phantom, <laughs> <laughs> was like, uh, "Sit down." You Hard know. pass. Just <laughs> nah. Nah, <laughs> uh, we're good. Um, and so he's managed to hold on to life through night sister magics and his rage um and is now had his destiny pass him by because the clone wars has already started the usurper dooku is at the side of palpatine um and he has to find a purpose again and what better purpose than to have revenge on kenobi and, of course, he tries to take it out on Kenobi directly, and that doesn't quite work. And so when we get him in Season 5 of The Clone Wars, everything that he is doing to create uh, this third faction army of, you know, mercenaries and crime syndicates and that sort of thing, uh, not only is it to get the attention of Sidious, because, ha, you cast me aside, see what I can do. I can get in your way and ruin your plan. Uh, but it's also to draw the attention of Kenobi because the crowning achievement of that is to overthrow Mandalore and Duchess Satine, who he knows uh, Kenobi has an attachment to. I feel so. like, uh, just personally, I feel like the, the Kenobi thing is secondary to the, well, let's build an army and put myself on the seat of a throne thing. Because, you know, when he talks about, you know, how Kenobi cut him from his destiny, you know, he, he was heir apparent, you know, I mean, you and I know that Sidious never (laughs) plans to give up the throne at all. But, you know, if a Sith apprentice goal is to cut down their master and, you know, take everything, take his empire, you know, then Maul wants this, you know, wants to carve out a piece of the galaxy for himself. And the fact, and just kind of the coincidence, you know, though when you live as long as I have, you don't believe in luck that, you know, this puts him right next to Duchess Satine is more of a happy coincidence than, uh, than it's, the, it's the cherry yeah. on top. Exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of like, Oh, look up. <laughs> Everything's coming up Maul. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he, he had all planned, you know, to, uh, to like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find Kenobi's girlfriend. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and if I happen to take over her kingdom, who, you know, all the better for me. It was kind of the opposite. It was the other way around. Right. Question. 
after Maul kills Satine in front of Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, we get Maul cut short again with, <laughs> you know, Sidious showing up and throwing him in prison and him having to retreat to the far reaches of the galaxy. But the idea is Kenobi is heartbroken, he's devastated, but eventually he moves on. Do you think when Kenobi moves on and he find and Maul finds out that Kenobi has moved on that that just incites the the rage against Kenobi again for what we see in Rebels? Because I think Satine being killed was supposed to crush Kenobi mm-hmm. beyond all recognition. I think I think there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I think when <laughs> I think when Maul finds out that Kenobi is in fact alive, it it makes him reconcile not reconcile it forces him to, you know, come to terms with a lot of things very, very quickly. And that is, you know, Oh, there's just so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. There's too much. <laughs> it's, um, it's, you know, not only does he have to think about the fact that, you know, he went into these holocrons, you know, I know we're getting into rebels, but, uh, you know, he went into these holocrons looking for hope, you know, this idea, whatever you think that means for him. That's but a whole other can of worms. That's a whole other can of worms, right? <laughs> uh you know, he goes into these holocrons looking for hope and, you know, whatever that answer is, Kenobi is somehow tied to it. And so that forces him to, to think about, oh God, not only is he alive, not only has he survived everything, survived, you know, the, the, the Jedi massacre, you know, losing his apprentices, you know, losing everything, losing Satine, you know, like I took Satine from him, you know, like me, Kenobi has lost everything, and yet he persists, and yet he is tied to this hope that I'm searching for. You know, maybe Maul's looking for the Chosen One. You know, Kenobi is tied to this somehow. Kenobi is tied to the fall of the Empire and the destruction of the Sith, and I'm not. That's not cool. I super need to kill this guy. I think that's more what sends him over other than, than like, Oh, he moved on. My revenge didn't stick. Well, shucks. You know, I think it's, it, there's a lot going on in that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, it's after he does everything he does during the clone wars and it all comes crashing down when Sidious shows up, you know, when we then finally meet him again in Rebels and he is on Malachor and he's searching for this Sith holocron and he's searching for this Sith. Essentially, it's just like a, you know, super weapon, um, which eventually, obviously, Ezra starts up a kind of on accident. But, you know, Maul, <laughs> Maul kind of encourages. Just um, a little. But uh, what to me, that's just so neat is because and that's to go to what you've been saying kind of all along, Katie, is I don't think that Kenobi's always his number one obsession because there again, what's he? What is he after in Rebels? He's after a way to defeat Sidious still because mm-hmm. um, yeah. he knows he can't yeah. do it in single combat. I mean, even in that episode when you know he when he senses Vader coming, he admits that he can't take Vader, 
Um, oh yeah, which I actually really appreciated because I'd like I kind of wanted to see them fight, but I was like, nah. Because I, I was I like, if they fight, convinced that he has tried. Like, it, we have a fifteen-year gap in Maul's history, you know, between leaving Mandalore and showing up on Malachor, and I'm all like, holy crap, he knows without a doubt that he can't take Vader alone. This means he's tried. Yeah. Which, That's going to be a comic or something. Oh yeah. my God. Oh. Well, I mean, there is an infinity comic where they do. <laughs> and Maul actually almost best Vader, but Vader stabs himself through the chest. Kill. Yeah. Maul. That's resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love, Oh my gosh. I love that one. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Just quick, <laughs> quick detour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that one specifically because of all the stuff that Maul says it, you know, to Vader comparing the two of them. It, it really does give this, give us this really neat look into how Maul thinks and how he feels. You know, he's like, you know, Maul, you know, they, him and Vader are fighting over who gets to stand next to Sidious, you know, who is worthy of, you know, standing next to him now that the empire has risen and Maul's all like, well, obviously it's me because I'm the better Sith, because I can actually feel. How can a machine feel? How can a machine hate? You know, there's no way your rage is as deep as my rage. There's no way you hurt as much as I hurt. And then Vader's all like, ha, I hate myself so much. <laughs> Stabs himself right. to get to Maul, and it's so good. It's Which the is best like perfect of. Hayden Christensen Vader, right? Oh, right. Like it really is like that's super. It certainly resonates with whose character is in the prequels. Yeah, um, it's, it's extra with a capital E. Yeah, like. and if you think <laughs> if you think about it too, like especially with some of like the Darth Vader comics we're getting now, like and even like Lords of the Sith, Sidious likes putting Dooku or likes putting his apprentices to the test. So if he didn't, you know, like no Maul was out there, I'm sure he'd love to watch the two of them fight each other for supremacy <laughs> at his side. Um. He would but, just be cackling. <laughs> I, yeah, he would be having a great time with it. So, you know, I just... Sitting in his chair, drinking a martini. <laughs> <laughs> as, as awful as Maul obviously kind of is to a certain degree, what's, to me, one of the best things about his character, though, is his drive, like his desire to get things done. And, you know, in Rebels, like he's he's not crazy like when we first meet him in Clone Wars, but he's definitely become an old man. And, oh yeah! But, oh, he pulls a total Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's Dark Side Yoda for Ezra. Yeah. And but it's so neat that he's still after a way to vanquish Sidious. I mean, this is this is somebody ultimately wanting the ultimate revenge on their abuser, right? Like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, yes. you know, in human life, when someone's abused, a lot of times they turn into an abusive person themselves, and that's certainly mm-hmm. true of Maul. But here mm-hmm. he is trying oh, yeah, to. Yeah, because you see it when he immediately turns on that abuse to Savage, just like no 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 smacks him down yeah um. right um ugh. but uh yeah i oh man it's um, like at that at that point when he shows up in rebels you know what i mean to to be all like oh well he's still just after kenobi i'm like he thinks kenobi's dead all the jedi have been wiped out he has no reason to think kenobi's alive so right. his goal yeah is Nothing more or less than the destruction of Sidious. But, you know, he is also, yeah, he's become an old man. And with each one of his losses, you know, that goal has gotten further and further away. You know, it started on Naboo and just, you know, loss after loss and the rise of Vader. I was like, this is impossible. 
this is never going to get done because one i can't defeat vader and if i can't defeat vader i'm not even getting into the throne room with palpatine like it's (laughs) so yeah he's begun exploring other options he you know we see him do this throughout the course you know of, of rebels you know he's only in like what three episodes but we see him go you know he's looking in all these places that now stand empty, these places that he used to draw power from, you know, he, he goes to Malachor, which we then find out in the comics that oh, he's been there before. He knows how powerful this place is. You know, he goes back to his Mandalorian bases, but you know, of course now they're all empty and he goes back to Dathomir, which has been empty for since the clone wars, you know, he, yeah. and then eventually just goes back to Tatooine. Yeah. What an interesting point too. Like, to actually draw a comparison. That's a really cool point, Katie, about how he's going back to all these places that used to be sources of power and now are just dead and empty. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to uh, Kylo Ren in Force Awakens, right? Like oh, right. Praying to a dead mask. You know, like he's seeking well, I- advice and life in a way from something that's not there. Yeah. I I do wonder, though, if kind of like I said before, if there is something going on between these two force users that we're not necessarily privy to. You know what I mean? I I do think it is like empty. You know what I mean? He is looking for something that isn't there. He's forgetting that Vader died a Jedi, you know, but I also wonder if there's something more going on just personally. I hope, oh, I, I hope so, because I hope we get Hayden Christensen saying, Kylo, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, he just shows up as a forest goes and smacks Kylo upside the head. Go yeah, home and apologize I, to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think if we were to see Ghost of Anakin, it's not going to be with Kylo, at least not initially. It would be with Ray or Luke. Um, and I think oh, it's important. Anakin that, and Luke together on screen. Uh, yeah, that would be great. I don't I think, think it, my heart could take it. I think I would need to be resusc- resuscitated in the theater. <laughs> Yeah, I just but I I think it's important that there isn't anything going on with that mask, Mm because, again, it it says more about the pitfalls of the dark side than anything else. Right. Like, of course, he's not getting it. He's not hearing anything back because he's praying to a false god in a sense. I feel that. Um, Yeah, I do. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's the episode in Rebels, though, where um, Ezra goes with um, Maul to is he goes with him to Dathomir. Yes. And, you know, he, he has like this little shrine of, you know, vanquished stuff. You know, he still has the dark saber that he yeah. killed. Pre- There's a mural with. of Satine. Yeah. You know, these are his past victories, but it's all kind of shuttle, you know, shuttered up in this little closet. Yeah. You know, well, I think it's, it's also because, you know, these, it, that, that, Little closet, as you say, I I, I call it the crazy cave. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that little, you know, the the shrines and stuff. Those are very personal items for Maul, and I think those aren't things he would share necessarily with anybody, you know. And the fact that he shows it to Ezra, you know, Maul is vulnerable with Ezra in a way he's not vulnerable with other people. And just yeah, you look at these items. Uh, some of the items that hit me like particularly hard was that he had uh, Mother Talzin's orb, which I think is how he was communicating with uh, with the Night Sisters or whatever's left of the Night Sisters. And he had um, Cast's helmet from the uh, from the his Death Watch, his personal guard. And I was just all like, "Oh God, what happened to Cast? I'm going to cry." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and and then yeah, just this shrine to to I guess to his vengeance, you know, to the day 
the day that Savage died, honestly, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence really that Satine and Savage died on the same day, you know, and with the, you know, her eyes and her throat, you know, marked with blood, which BT dubs gonna, gonna divulge, you know, divulge, divert. <laughs> I know what words are uh, a little bit in, um, in uh, the wrath of mall book, um, you know, talking about his training, he, um, was uh was in his room uh you know just just a child and uh and he's been all patched up from you know fighting with droids all day and uh and it occurs to him that you know maybe this cage is in my mind maybe if i push on the walls i can i can knock it down and so he goes up to the walls and he starts pushing on them and then he notices that you know from touching his wounds and patching himself up you know he's forgotten that there's you know blood smeared all on his hands and and uh you know this this leaves smears on the walls and he essentially just starts painting, you know what I mean? Because he's fascinated with, you know, what he can do, you know, these markings on the walls and, you know, he actually like paints himself a little window, (laughs) pretends that he can see outside. And then when I saw that cave, you know, in, in rebels, I was like, Oh my God, he's doing the same thing again. Cause you see all these smears on the wall. You see Kenobi's name written on the wall and you see how he's painted over Satine's portrait. And I'm just all like, this is an intimate space. I mean, I don't mean in an appropriate way, but this is a very, very personal space. But in a way, yes, all of the stuff stands empty and hollow. And that's very sad. You know, he has nothing really left to draw from. There is a definite connection, I think, between the loss of Savage and Maul's pursuit of Ezra. Yes. Uh, oh, goodness, yes. Because Maul, I think, realizes how terrible he was to Savage and how much he abused Savage to the effect, you know, to a similar effect that he was abused. And Mm -hmm. he's going to try it again with Ezra in a less abusive, yet equally manipulative way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely manipulative because, you know, that's just how Maul operates. You know, he was taught by Sidious to see people, you know, not as people, but as like pieces on a game board. You know what I mean? You can discard them and use them, you know. Yeah. He, uh, but with Ezra, yeah, I do. I definitely get the sense that, you know, he's like, I really messed up with Savage. I can't make that mistake again. It is going to drive him away and abusing him the way I was abused is not going to make him stronger. And so I think what's really interesting to me, you know, he has at that point in his life cast aside, you know, his Darth title. He's formerly Darth now, just more, (laughs) you know, he's not Sith anymore. And so when he trains Ezra, you know, in a way he does feed Ezra the Sith code, but he doesn't train him the way a Sith would be trained. He doesn't train Ezra the way he tried to train Savage or even the way we saw Dooku try to train Savage. You know, Sith train their apprentices with brutality and it's just all like, well, if you don't, you know, I want... Remember Dooku had uh, Savage lift the stones and Savage couldn't do it, so Dooku just electrocuted him until he could. Right. You know, until his hatred made him strong enough that he could lift those stones. We then see Maul and Ezra in a very, very similar, you know, trial where they have to lift the uh, the pillars, you know, out of the way to get into the Sith Temple. You know what I mean? But Maul doesn't be all like, okay, kid, I'm going to kick the crap out of you <laughs> until, 
until you're strong enough, he encourages Ezra, you know, when, when Ezra expresses, expresses frustration, you know, ah, how many are there? Maul just looks at him and gives him this like really reassuring nod. And Ezra keeps going. And I really love that moment. I'm really intrigued by that moment. I keep coming back to it, you know, watching, you know, (laughs) them lift those pillars again and again, because there's such mutual trust in that moment, you know, Ezra, trust Maul not to drop the pillars and crush them both to death. And then Maul trusts Ezra much the same. You know, they have to rely on each other to get through this little trial. And and I don't think that's something, you know, <laughs> Maul and Sidious could have done together. Or if they did, it would have been in a very different way. You know, it would have been all like, oh, Maul, you can't reach, lift the stone. That's uh, that's too bad. Zap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh and so, yeah, I do think that by the time we get to Maul in Rebels, he has figured that out. And he's just all like, well, if I'm going to train an apprentice, you know, if I'm, if I'm not strong enough to challenge Vader or Sidious, maybe I can train someone who can. And it has to be different. It absolutely has to be different than the way I was trained and the way Savage was trained. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there is – he is like very um... – the way he relates to Ezra is so different from what you would expect from someone like Maul. Um, and I mean, I love the fact that he comes out and do- goes to battle with the Inquisitors alongside like Kanan and Ahsoka. Um, you know, I mean, Maul in a way is deceiving them, but he's also in a way, I think, kind of showing his allegiance to Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think he he's trying to push Ezra in a way that Kanan clearly isn't. Um, he's trying to help Ezra tap into the, the deeper sense of power that he might have, that his master is afraid to let him do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear, though, that Maul's, Maul's motivation with Ezra is to gain an apprentice to, once again, overthrow Sidious Invader. Um. And, you know, when he when he runs away from Malachor, when, you know, after Vader shows up and things really get intense um, mm-hmm. in a way, right, he he kind of fails again. He doesn't complete what he was after. Um, but, uh, you know, he he takes off and. Right. He, he still has a purpose. Um, I'm trying to remember when it ends. Does he have the holocron or does Ezra have it? Ezra has Ezra the Holocron, has it, yeah. which, okay. yeah, again, like shows this weird amount of trust that Maul has in Ezra. I mean, it makes sense because they, they did have to form this attachment and this sense of trust very, very quickly. You know, Maul had to trust Ezra to get the Holocron when he threw him across the pit. And they had to trust each other not to crush them to death when they lifted the pillars, you know. But the fact that Maul is like, okay, here, you take the Holocron, you do this. You know, yeah, shows that he has this, you know, weird, yeah, faith in Ezra, which, you know, he doesn't he doesn't trust easily. I don't think he would have given that holocron to just anybody. But yes, to answer your question, in so many words, it's Ezra has it by the end of that episode. <laughs> well, and then when he comes back for Ezra, he comes back for the holocron. Um, I mean, I remember it was to me, it was one of the weirdest things for him to say he was looking for hope. Because hope is always a, a word used in Star Wars in conjunction with the rebellion or the, you know, like the good guys. Hope is something for good people to have, not bad people like Darth Maul. <laughs> um, so very interesting that he's looking for hope. And 
and okay, I mean, I, I liked how you alluded to it earlier, but hope for him is attached to Kenobi. And, you know, I, mean, I love that when they, they're, they're bringing these holocrons together, you know, Ezra has, you know, they bring the Sith and this Jedi holocron together. The Bendu has warned Kanan not to let that happen. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Ezra comes at this experience with looking for how do we defeat the Sith? And we don't know exactly what Maul's looking for. He's looking for hope. But in a way, maybe he is looking for the same thing. Because what they both find out in that in in that, you know, coming together of these two holocrons, um, what we get is Ezra learns that he sees twin sons, which yeah. obviously is Tatooine, but more than that, I think it's also the Skywalker twins. That's the answer to destroying the Sith. And Maul finds Kenobi, um, right? And then he leaves, like, kind of fumbling with himself, right? Like, I love that the way he leaves kind of distraught. Like, he lives. He lives, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think he's really shocked by that. Um, but now it's like his purpose shifts to that, to confronting Kenobi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, like, a slightly different interpretation of, like, what the what the holocrons are showing them. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, Ezra's looking for a way to destroy the Sith, but the way to destroy the Sith isn't, you know, isn't Luke Skywalker. The way to destroy the Sith is compassion, you know, that compassion that Luke has, you know, for his father and then his father's, you know, choice to, you know, to, to act to save his son. You know, and so the holocrons can't really show you compassion, you know, and and whatever Hope Maul is looking for is probably also, you know, an idea, you know, like like the way compassion is an idea and not a solid answer. Both of these, you know, men are looking for solid answers, but there are no easy answers, you know, especially in Star Wars. You know, there is no, oh, you're looking for a way to destroy the Sith. It's Luke. You know, no, no, no. It's it's not that easy. You know, so the holocrons are trying to show them these abstract concepts. And so, of course, it comes out kind of like all jumbled and weird. <laughs> yeah, that's a I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a, definitely an, uh, an intriguing way to look at it. Yeah, well, I, I think about um, the the first episode that Maul comes back. I, I think it's Brothers. And uh, the the little you know the little fortune cookie that you get at the beginning of each of each arc in Clone Wars, <laughs> mm-hmm. the little fortune cookie is um, old enemies will rise again because only a reconciled enemy is truly vanquished. And I always thought that was very interesting. And so when Ezra you know is looking for a way to destroy the Sith, well you you can't you know hatred will only breed more hatred. You know yeah you can cut it cut down the Sith, sure, but they will rise again, you know, the same way Maul rose again, because only a reconciled enemy, only an enemy turned into a friend is truly vanquished. Very interesting. Um, so, clearly we can talk about Maul for a very long time. <laughs> but yes. for the sake of time, um, I do want to start to bring our thoughts towards conclusions, yeah, um, we need to get to like twin done. sons. We haven't talked so, about that. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We did, there's so much we didn't even really delve into from the Clone Wars. Oh, I know, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, ultimately, Maul just shows himself to be a bit of a mastermind in the Clone Wars, um, which I think he, is still he, very he's cool. learned a bit more from Palpatine than maybe Palpatine anticipated. 
<laughs> I I think Palpatine did anticipate it, right? Well, like when, maybe, maybe Palpatine, you're right. when Sidious shows up there on on Mandalore, he seems to be he's a little bit impressed. Um, you know, I think some of that deviousness certainly was taught to Maul. But um, well, yeah, because he was supposed to, you know, lead Sidious's armies. He was supposed to, you know, be the general of the Clone Wars. There wasn't supposed to be a Dooku, you know, or Tyrannus. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, Dooku is simply. You know, a pretender. I love when he calls him. I love that. I love that that. too because I mean, it might be splitting hairs. It might be too fine a point for for you and me. But to Maul, there's a huge difference between a fallen Jedi and a Sith. You know, it's kind of like I was talking before in that comic when he talks to Vader. You know, how can a machine hate? How can a machine feel? You know, he's like, how can a Jedi? You know, even a fallen Jedi hate and hurt as deeply as I do. So of course he calls him a Sith pretender because you're not true Sith. I'm Sith. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Dooku, but he is the least Sithy of the Sith. Um, <laughs> right. He doesn't even get the yellow eyes. Come on, man. Like you're just, you're hmm. just pretending. <laughs> He's the charismatic leader of the separatist army. He can't well, afford to have yellow eyes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it would look bad on all the, you know, Clone Wars promotional, you know, like, uh, yeah, join the Separatists, you know, and Dooku on the on the little propaganda poster. <laughs> but it's He's like, got uh, yellow eyes. Don't trust him. Okay. <laughs> right? He's totally Sith. Uh. Um, but yeah, let's 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 move to Twin Sons. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, we. I think we did a good job at least talking about his beginnings, right? Who Maul was and what he saw mm-hmm. himself is, and you know they did they did such wonderful things bringing him back. And Katie, I was, I'm going to guess that you never had any issue with them bringing him back in the Clone Wars. Yes and no. I, I mean, yeah. I I was obviously like really excited, especially when uh, when the book came out when Wrath of Maul came out. It's like, well, this is our little prequel before you know uh, Clone Wars. Uh, but I was also like really wary, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, what if they mess it up? You know, my, my, I'm wringing my hands, but it, it didn't take very long for me to be like, Oh no, this is going to be okay. Oh, it was one exception. When I saw the, the chicken legs, you know, the Raptor legs, the Raptor robot legs that they gave them all. <laughs> I was like, I was like hard pass. Like this was not designed with my female gaze in mind. You ruined him. He was so beautiful. <laughs> Filoni, you owe me money. <laughs> so, so you would have preferred Spider Mall to Raptor Leg Mall? Uh, no, see, uh, Spider Leg Mall was also terrible. I was just all like, when when they finally got to Mandalore and they gave him, you know, they put him the regular human legs. I'm like, okay, this is this is all right. Balance in the Force has been restored. I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good thing he had those Raptor legs shot out from underneath him. We yeah, can thank, can thank Hondo for that. Thank you, Hondo. I owe you money. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible what they did with this character that we thought was dead in 99. <laughs> you know, um, I was, I watched Phantom Menace not too long ago and I actually, pay, I wanted to pay attention and right, like the whole way When we see Maul cut in half and falling down, he doesn't look dead. I mean, he's looking with like bewilderment, you know? So there is like some credibility in the fact that he survived that. Um, That being said, I mean, I was not a fan of them bringing him back, not because I didn't like Darth Maul, but just thought it was really stupid. Um, (laughs) And I also thought that it kind of screwed with Kenobi's 
story arc, right? Like Ooh. he becomes a knight because he vanquishes a Sith, which I guess technically he still did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to some degree, it's like, oh, I hate having to be like, well, technically, like, no, <laughs> you showed us that he killed him, like leave him dead. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm glad they what they did with him when they brought him back. I will say the brothers episode I hated. Um, I, oh, no. <laughs> I, I only like it in retrospect now because of where it went. Um, but still now I, I almost never watch that episode because I can't stand it. Um, and I was like, yep, this is just what I predicted. This is garbage. It's stupid. Like it doesn't belong back here. Yep. No wonder he's insane. He's wondering why the hell he's alive. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Darth. Um, but that being said, like it goes on to become such a great story and what he does really brings so much depth to the star Wars universe. And then when we see him in twin sons to see where he starts to where he finishes, um, you know, Dave Filoni talked quite a bit about, you know, kind of some of the ideas behind twin sons and, you know, ultimately when he, when he falls for good at the hands of Kenobi, you know, part of the idea of that story and the fact that the duel is so short is Maul never really changed. He never grew, right? Like Kenobi has reached this place of somewhat enlightenment and Maul is still just kind of like this juvenile, angry, vengeful man who is still fighting the same old fight. You know, he's still fighting the same inner war. He never grew past that. Um, but I think that he is a different character in Twin Sons. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he's been through so much and, you know, he makes it clear that the reason he's there is to kill Kenobi. Um, so my question is, do you think he really was going to kill Kenobi? I mean, it certainly seemed like he was going to try. Um, but is that really his intention there? What, what is his goal when twin sends rolls around? Oh, I, I want to get my thoughts out here real quick because I know, Katie, you're going to have a lot to say. So uh, let me just re- to let me just say. Real, <laughs> let me just real quick get get my thought out here. Um, I think I think he was going there to confront Kenobi because this had to end. That this drug, this whole situation has just been dragging on for decades at this point, and it had to end one way or another. It just had to end. He was looking for a resolution. Um, I don't know if he was looking for victory, hmm. and because he was so kind of relieved when Obi Wan cuts him down, and he's kind of able to just stop fighting. He seemed so relieved there in Obi-Wan's arms right before he died. I, I'm not sure he was looking for resolution. I'm not sure he was looking for victory. So, Katie, run. Run with it. Run. Go. <laughs> oh, far. Going to run <laughs> for the hills. Okay. So, what I think he's looking for is there was something on Naboo that was left unresolved, you know, and neither he nor Kenobi really knows what that is. I think, I think Kenobi knows what it is. He doesn't necessarily want to face it, but the truth of the matter is, uh, let's talk, let's talk about Jewel of Fates. (laughs) We're going to jump out of Twin Suns and we're going to talk about Jewel of Fates. Um, what they're singing about, you know, that, that great, uh, track. <laughs> it's just called Duel of the Fates. You know the yes. song. You know what yes. I'm talking about. 
what they're singing about is this Welsh poem, uh, you know, Battle of the Trees. And what they're singing is, um, you know, in, in, the shade of this, in the shade of the tree is a fight most dread, but another rages inside the head. And the fight, I think, raging inside the head is, it, it's, it's Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? This, this fight is what's going to determine, it's going to lay the foundation for the Chosen One's training. You know what I mean? And we have these two fighters you know, uh, Qui-Gon and, and Maul, who are both so incredibly present. So in this moment, you know, one light, one dark, and they're both, you know, calling to Obi-Wan in a way, you know, there's his master who tells him to be calm, to be centered. And then there's Maul who says, I cut down your master, give in to your hatred. And this is something that Maul does a lot, like through the Clone Wars, you know, your rage has unbalanced you. That's not the Jedi way, is it? You know, and again and again, Kenobi gives into this because he hasn't really internalized that message that, you know, only a reconciled enemy is truly vanquished. You know, I can keep, he hasn't realized that he can keep cutting away at Maul, but you know, when you cut, when you strike in anger, you know, it's, it's not going to stop him. Something's going to keep going. You know, that's the impression I always got of Maul was that, you know, if you, you know, at least after he came back in the Clone Wars, the impression I got was that, you know, you could keep cutting away at him piece by piece until there was nothing left of like shadow, but some horrible impression in the force would just keep coming. That hatred would just keep coming. And the only way to end it would be, you know, for Kenobi to strike in a different way, you know, would be to strike in defense and not in anger. And I think in Duel of the Fates, he is very much striking in anger. You know, he's not striking to defend the queen. You know, you, you look at his face, you know, how he keeps like, almost snarling back at Maul. You know, Maul snarls a lot, and Kenobi's, like, wrinkling his nose. He's, like, baring his teeth. He really hates this guy. And so, of course, that cut can't kill him, you know, when he cuts him in half. Of course, that doesn't end the fight. It doesn't end the conflict, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. so when we get to Twin Sons, what they're both looking for is a resolution to that conflict. And for the new chosen one's training to end, to be any different, you know, for Luke's training to be any different than Anakin's. It has to start with this clean foundation. Obi-Wan has to strike in defense. He has to strike Maul in a way that can kill him. And more importantly than that, he has to give Maul a sense of peace. You know, Maul has to, has to want to die, not necessarily want to die, but he has to be willing to let go and, that's what happens in Twin Sons. And that's what I think they were looking for, even though they didn't know it until that final strike, until Obi-Wan caught Maul in his arms. That's when they both, when the force <laughs> goes, now everything is okay. Now the Chosen One's training can be different. Wow. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Carl? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was just going to say, because to, to kind of start wrapping it up, um, you know, when Maul falls, you know, there is almost a peace that comes over him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there is a peace in, you know, finally just being done, you know. Um, oh, man. Sorry. I have more to say. <laughs> go ahead. 
it for me it's it's about hope he gets to know you know obi-wan tells him it is the chosen one and so for all of sidious's power for all the terrible things he can do he is not immune to prophecy the chosen one will restore balance whether sidious likes it or not and so maul is able to look up at obi-wan and say he the the chosen one will avenge us you know you me the jedi the witches of Dathomir, everyone who suffered at Sidious's hand, this man who has tortured the galaxy, but tortured nobody as personally as he tortured me from infancy. This man will be brought to justice. We will be avenged. The debt will be settled. You know, everything will be brought to bear, you know, but Maul's never going to get to see it. He just gets to believe it. And that's what hope is. That's what he has in that last moment is just, the hope that someday there will be a universe, a galaxy without an empire. And so in a way, Maul gets to die the same way our characters in Rogue One die. They just die with nothing more or less than hope. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. The only thing- and, he, and, and also death means he's not suffering anymore. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> not, not so much the first time. <laughs> well, true. But I mean, but this is his final, his final end here, and and that ultimately, you know, there's so much resolved in such a small amount of time between Maul and Obi Wan that so much is put to peace, mm-hmm. put to rights, that his suffering is over, and he can die with hope in his mind, and he's okay with that. Yeah. It's but I think powerful. Yeah. I think the mm-hmm. thing is, though, that still to me is what makes Maul still a f- a failed character um, is that his dying wish is still vengeance, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, he dies with the hope that that'll happen, but he is. St- and I think that's why Kenobi like looks so like sad for him when he looks down on him when he says he will avenge us, and then he dies, and Kenobi just his face falls like. I think there is like a sadness for Kenobi of like, wow, this is still the same person he was for 30 years, right? Like he hasn't grown past his desire for revenge. Well, I'm not ever sure that he could because if he was raised to think in dark side ways and be a dark side person, you know, the, the Sith code, you know, as we've talked about before, is just so ingrained in him. It was all he had really when he was, you know, insane in that little spider cave. You know, this this is as close as he can get to to peace, to knowing that everything is going to be okay means vengeance. You know, it, it the the dark and the light, you know, it, it really is about about debt, you know, about when these bad things happen to us or when we do bad things, you know, we we have to do something to make it right, to restore balance, you know. And then a Jedi, you know, Luke is able to satisfy the light side when he forgives that debt. You know, Vader hurt me, but he is my father and I love him and I will not strike him down. That satisfies the light side, but a dark side person I think could possibly be satisfied just knowing that, you know, this, this man that hurt me so will be brought to bear, you know, brought to justice, Eh, not justice, but vengeance, you know, will be had debts will be settled. 
now I'm okay. Now I'm at peace. It's important to note that in his hour of end, his moment of hope, his moment of peace, that Maul is still not transformed into a good character. He's not not redeemed in any sense of the the word. He's still a a, a dark sider. He's still got that evil and that corruption in him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and it's good to see that because if, if he had a moment of peace that was somewhat redeemable, that would have definitely lessened the effect that we get when when Vader is redeemed by Luke. So uh, it, it is important to note that while he has that moment of resolution, that moment of, of as much peace as someone who was a Sith uh, can achieve, that it's still not quite right, you know, yeah. from our sensibilities. You know, it's still motivated and viewed through the lens of the dark side. Right, which to some degree I, I respect and appreciate because Maul is a consistent character. Yes. And I think he's also, Maul becomes a kind of a teaching point of, you know, in the Star Wars galaxy at large, of this is ultimately as far as a Sith can go, right? Like Maul's, Maul dies still very broken. You know, yeah, Katie, I appreciated how you kind of gave the perspective of like, these Sith are very broken people who never really heal from that brokenness, but use that brokenness to kind of break other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Maul is someone who dies a broken person. And it ultimately shows that the way of the Sith is kind of a bitter end, right? There is no, there is no ultimate fulfillment for a Sith. Um, so I actually kind of like that, that Maul goes out that way, you know? Yeah, but I think I think it's it's nice too in a way because yes, he he is. I mean, he's not Sith. He has cast aside that title. You know what I mean? But he is a dark side person, and he doesn't die a good person. But he he never asked for any of this. You know, even Kenobi recognizes that before Satine dies, he says, "I know that the choice to join the dark side wasn't your own," Mm -hmm. which was I, I thought it was really great that Kenobi at least recognized that, and. So, you know, for the men that did choose it, you know, Tyrannus, Sidious, they get unresolved ends. They get ugly ends. But Maul gets to come back. <laughs> you know, he, he gets, he was struck down on Naboo, but it's like, no, no, let's do better by him. Let's at least give him personal peace because he does make bad choices. You know, he didn't ask for what happened, you know, to him. But it doesn't give him the right to then go kill Satine. Satine shouldn't have had to die because Maul had a bad childhood. Like, that's just a fact, you know? Like, so he did make bad choices, but his, the bad things that happened to him kind of led him to those choices. And so it's just like, well, we could at least give him personal peace. He doesn't get redeemed. He won't be remembered well by the galaxy at large, if at all, you know, well, sure. Mandalore will remember him, but they won't remember him fondly. But in that last moment, he doesn't really care. And I don't really think Kenobi hates him either. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's really important. And I think that's nice for him that yes, this is as far as a Sith can go. It's not very far. It's tragic and sad, but it is nice in its own way that he could have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's all, all we're going to have time for <laughs> when it comes to mall for, for now. Um, I wanted, Oh, just real quick. Sure. I wanted to mention, <laughs> I wanted to mention that twin sons aired on my birthday. 
perfect. So there you, you go. Yeah. You Happy wa- birthday to me. I'm like <laughs> laying on the floor. Like he's died. It's two minutes after the conclusion of Twin Sons. You know what I mean? Like the credits are rolling. I am face down on the floor with cake smeared on my face, sobbing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That mental image. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. That's funny. So, um, well, before we wrap up, uh, we want to remind everybody because we completely forgot. Jason and I dropped the ball last week's on last week's episode. Um, to remind you guys about the uh, Chris D uh, celebration print uh, contest. Um, because we forgot to remind you last week, this will be the last week. Um, regardless of how few or many people send in stuff, we will be picking a winner at next week's episode, which will be the 40th anniversary of a New Hope episode. Um, but, uh, if you would like to, uh, win a free exclusive copy of Christie's sold out watchful guardian print from celebration, um, you have to send in an audio file of yourself doing either, a um, Jar Jar Binks with some Saw Gerrera lines or Saw Gerrera doing Jar Jar Binks lines. Um, and we will play the winning, um, entry on the air next week. So if yes. you are interested in doing that. Just shoot shoot us an email at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com with that um, so that we can play it on the air and pick a winner. And and Chris D. himself came up with the the, <laughs> the contest. So uh, Carl and I didn't just say, well, we want to hear this. No, Chris, Chris D. wanted to hear that. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one last thing before we go is – Katie, as the honored special guest, you get to come up with next week's matchup. And I know you've got a good one for us. So take it away. Yeah, I've got a really fun idea because um, my favorite types of matchups, you know, when we're talking about these hypothetical fights are the types of matchups where you're asking, um, you know, who who would win a T-Rex or 20 lions? <laughs> you know, I think those are those are just really fascinating to me. You know, this one really powerful en- entity and, you know, a bunch of less powerful, you know, I just, I don't know. I find that fascinating. So, uh, the matchup I, uh, I, <laughs> I want to throw out there is Vader. He's our T-Rex and, uh, Maul with, uh, all the Inquisitors. So it's like this team of double-bladed lightsabers <laughs> versus <laughs> Vader <laughs> or Maul versus tw- Maul and 20 lions. Maul with his like fleet of 20 lions all attacking Vader. Why not? No. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So. Yeah, so let's see. It would be Maul, the Grand Inquisitor, and then there were like, what, eight eight lesser Inquisitors? Yeah? I think, so I we think just, we're going to... just call it... Yeah? I think we'll go with the, the three we saw, on, we saw on screen. We'll we'll throw the seventh sister, the fifth brother, and the eighth brother in there. And the Grand just, Inquisitor. Yes, and the Grand Inquisitor. So yeah, we'll, there we we'll, go. We'll throw those... Those in there with Maul. Okay, so Team, team Double Sabers. Yeah, Team Double Sabers <laughs> versus Vader. <laughs> who, who would win? So there you go, folks. That's God. I love when other people come up with matchups because they're always so much better than what we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, Carl, if, yeah. if people want to weigh in on this matchup or or anything else, respond to the episode because it was an awesome episode. Yes, uh, thank you. It was Katie. thanks to Katie. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, so Katie. Happy. So you're very welcome. Um, but if they want to respond to any of this, Carl, where, where can they do that? 
Well, they can do it on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash wampazur, or shoot us an email at wampazurpodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard on this particular episode of the Wampazur Podcast, you have one person to thank. Her name's Katie. Oh, and, that's me! <laughs> and if you would like to do something like this, um, like I said, head on over to our Patreon page. I think it's the fourth tier of contributions. You don't have to do this every month. You can do it for one month if you want to be on the show really bad. You've got a topic you really want to talk about. Um, you will run the show just as Katie did, which is awesome for us. Um, so if that is You're something welcome. that <laughs> if that is something that interests you, certainly head over to patreon.com slash podcast and look for the details and how you can do that. That being said, Katie, thank you so much for not only contributing on Patreon, but giving us such a great topic to talk about and coming at it with so much knowledge. I always I always love this because clearly there's nothing unique about Jason or I. We're just Star Wars fans like everybody who's listening. And you all have so much great information to bring and specifically information that we may not know a ton about because it's not our fa- you know, our, our aspect of Star Wars. So this was so cool to listen to you just like lay down the truth that is Maul. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. I'm always happy to educate when it comes to Maul. <laughs> if we were like in the same room right now, I would just be throwing books and comics at you. Like, educate yourself. <laughs> And Katie, uh, is there any place that you want people to connect with you uh, if they want to to connect? Uh, yeah, if you guys see me on the Wampa's Lair Facebook page, absolutely hit me up. I'd love to talk to you guys. And if any of your listeners play uh, Star Wars The Old Republic or would like to play Star Wars The Old Republic, but you have nobody to run with, uh, let me know because I'm always looking for people to play that game with. It's an MMO and it's free to play now. So I would love to play Star Wars with more Larians. That'd be cool. So that, guys, if that's something you want to do, hit Katie up on Facebook. Woo-hoo. Yeah, do it. Palpatine do it. voice. Yeah, thank you. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> all right. Anything else, Carl, before we wrap up this episode? I'm all set. Katie, thanks again. Of course. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This has been episode number 231. With Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Wampa's Lair.